Other things. <laughs> Other things. I have a mental blank. What do we talk about? We talk Books about and writing we, and we reading. We talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Don't interrupt everything me. Everything in between. I'm not interrupting. It's the lag. Yeah. Do we talk about all those things right now? We are talking about um, Coraline. Is what we're talking about. Yep. I think we are going to be doing this sort of thing often. So I guess we should say we talk about. Um, books that we like Mm -hmm. and we read them and we analyze them and i try and attribute meaning to things that spencer then i have no meaning yeah so it's quite entertaining really and that's what we do there we go we can come up with a summary who says we can't Mm. (laughs) it's a bit wordy yeah could cut it down a bit (laughs) trim the fat i think so i feel like we said talk about like 50 times (laughs) anyway i mean repetition can be good Mm mm-hmm it can be intentional. Yeah, this is all intentional. That's right. Anywho. So chapter four was Coraline in the other world. She had gone through the door in the chapter before. She'd seen her mother, other mother and father. And they suggest um, that they stitch buttons onto her eyes. As one does. Yeah. As one does. Um, and she says, no, she says, I don't think so. What if she was just down with it <laughs> just like sure <laughs> that, well that would have been the end of the book and it would have been a really yeah. confusing book but i would have enjoyed it and that brings us to chapter five just the end of her little her first trip into the um mm-hmm. other world was there fog in that world like when she went outside i don't recall there being fog in this particular chapter because she goes straight through to miss Bink and miss forcible's door yeah. Everything's oh, sorry, there. sorry. There, it says it was a sunny, cold day, exactly like mm. the one she'd left. So maybe the fog has cleared, I suppose. it's. Or there's a typo. Mm, maybe. maybe. Well, we know he's not perfect. I mean, yeah, but he's very close. Uh, so that's where we're at. So should we start chapter five then? Mm-hmm. I think this will be the last chapter that we read for Coraline because... Um, we're not going to read the whole book, but this one has some good stuff in it to discuss, and it's got it's got a lot going on. Yes. Might. All right. <clears throat> you ready with your voices? You got them all stored up? I'm always ready with the voices. Just imagine if you mess up, you're really pissing future Haley off, who's editing this. Oh, yeah. And having to spend hours on the edit. Hello, future Haley. What's up, mate? Okay, let's do this. Chapter 5. Am I doing this in a British accent? Yes, you are. Okay. Coraline locked the door of the drawing room with the cold black key. She went back into the kitchen and climbed onto a chair. She tried to put the bunch of keys back on top of the door again. She tried four or five times before she was forced to accept that she just wasn't big enough, and she put them down on the counter next to the door. Her mother still hadn't returned from her shopping expedition. Coraline went to the freezer and took out the spare loaf of frozen bread in the bottom compartment. She made herself some toast with jam and peanut butter. She drank a glass of water. She waited for her parents to come back. When it began to get dark, Coraline microwaved herself a frozen pizza. Then Coraline watched television. 
She wondered why grown-ups gave themselves all the good programs, with all the shouting and running around in. After a while, she started yawning. <sighs> then she undressed, brushed her teeth and put herself to bed. In the morning, she went into her parents' room, but their bed hadn't been slept in, and they weren't around. She ate tinned spaghetti for breakfast. For lunch, she had a block of cooking chocolate and an apple. The apple was yellow and slightly shriveled, but it tasted sweet and good. For tea, she went down to see Mrs. Spink in Forcible. She had three digestive biscuits, a glass of limeade, and a cup of weak tea. The limeade was very interesting. It didn't taste anything like limes. It tasted bright green and vaguely chemical. Coraline liked it enormously. She wished they had it at home. How are your dear mother and father? Asked Mrs. Spink. Missing, said Coraline. I haven't seen either of them since yesterday. I'm on my own. I think I've probably become a single child family. Tell your mother that we found the Glasgow Empire press clippings we were telling her about. She seemed very interested when Miriam mentioned them to her. She's vanished under mysterious circumstances, said Coraline. And I believe my father has as well. I'm afraid we'll be out all day tomorrow, Caroline lovey, said Miss Forcible. We'll be staying over at April's niece in Royal Tunbridge Wells. They showed Coraline a photographic album with photographs of Miss Spink's niece in it, and then Coraline went home. She opened her money box and walked down to the supermarket. She bought two large bottles of limeade, a chocolate cake and a new bag of apples, and went back home and ate them for dinner. She cleaned her teeth and went into her father's office. She woke up his computer and wrote a story. Coraline's story. There was a girl, her name was Apple. She used to dance a lot. She danced and danced until her feet turned into sausages. The end. She printed out the story and turned off the computer. Then she drew a picture of the little girl, dancing underneath the words on the paper. She ran herself a bath with too much bubble bath in it, and the bubbles ran over the side and went all over the floor. She dried herself and the floor as best she could and went to bed. Caroline woke up in the night. She went into her parents' bedroom, but the bed was made and empty. The glowing green numbers on the digital clock glowed 3.12 a.m. All alone in the middle of the night, Caroline began to cry. There was no other sound in the empty flat. She climbed onto her parents' bed, and after a while, she went back to sleep. Coraline was woken by cold paws batting her face. She opened her eyes. Big green eyes stared back at her. It was the cat. Hello, said Coraline. How'd you get in? The cat didn't say anything. Coraline got out of bed. She was wearing a long t-shirt and pyjama bottoms. Have you come to tell me something? The cat yawned, which made its eyes flash green. Do you know where Mummy and Daddy are? The cat blinked at her slowly. Is that a yes? The cat blinked again. Caroline decided that was indeed a yes. Will you take me to them? The cat stared at her. Then it walked out into the hall. She followed. It walked the length of the corridor and stopped down at the very end, where a full-length mirror hung. The mirror had been, a long time before, the inside of a wardrobe door. It had been hanging there on the wall when they moved in, and although Coraline's mother had spoken occasionally of replacing it with something newer, she never had. Coraline turned on the light in the hall. The mirror showed the corridor behind her. That was only to be expected. But also reflected in the mirror were her parents. They stood awkwardly in the reflection of the hall. They seemed sad and alone. As Coraline watched, they waved to her, slowly, with limp hands. Coraline's father had his arm around her mother. In the mirror, Coraline's mother and father stared at her, 
Her father opened his mouth and said something, but she could hear nothing at all. Her mother breathed on the inside of the mirror glass, and quickly, before the fog faded, she wrote, Help us, with the tip of her forefinger. The fog on the inside of the mirror faded, and so did her parents. And now the mirror reflected only the corridor, and Coraline, and the cat. Where are they? Coraline asked the cat. The cat made no reply, but Coraline could imagine its voice, dry as a dead fly on a windowsill in winter, saying, Well, where do you think they are? They aren't going to come back, are they? said Coraline. Not under their own steam. The cat blinked at her. Coraline took it as a yes. Right, said Coraline. Then I suppose there's only one thing left to do. She walked into her father's study. She sat down at his desk. Then she picked up the telephone and opened the phone book and called the local police station. Police? said a gruff male voice. Hello, she said. My name is Coraline Jones. You're up a bit after your bedtime, aren't you, young lady? said the policeman. Possibly, said Coraline, who was not going to be diverted. But I'm ringing to report a crime. And what sort of crime would that be? Kidnapping. Grown-up napping, really. My parents have been stolen away into a world on the other side of the mirror in our hall. And how do you know who stole them? asked the police officer. Coraline could hear the smile in his voice, and she tried extra hard to sound like an adult might sound, to make him take her seriously. I think my other mother has them both in her clutches. She may want to keep them and sew their eyes with black buttons, or she may simply have them in order to lure me back into reach of her fingers. I'm not sure. Ah, the nefarious clutches of her fingers' fingers, is it? He said. Hmm. You know what I suggest, Miss Jones? No, said Caroline. What? You ask your mother to make you a big old mug of hot chocolate, and then give you a great big old hug. There's nothing like a hot chocolate and a hug for making nightmares go away. And if she starts to tell you off for waking her up at this time of night, well, you tell her that's what the policeman said. He had a deep, reassuring voice. Coraline was not reassured. When I see her, said Coraline, I shall tell her that. And she put down the telephone. The black cat, who had sat on the floor grooming its fur through this entire conversation, now stood up and led the way into the hall. Coraline went back into her bedroom and put on her blue dressing gown and her slippers. She looked under the sink for a torch and found one, but the batteries had long since run down and it barely glowed with the faintest straw-coloured light. She put it down again and found a box of, in case of emergency, white wax candles and thrust one into a candlestick. She put an apple into each pocket. She picked up the ring of keys and took the old black key off the ring. She walked into the drawing room and looked at the door. She had the feeling that the door was looking back at her, which she knew was silly, and knew on a deeper level was somehow true. She went back into her bedroom and rummaged in the pocket of her jeans. She found the stone with the hole in it and put it into her dressing gown pocket. She lit the candle wick with a match and watched it sputter and light. Then she picked up the black key. It was cold in her hand. She put the key into the keyhole in the door and did not turn it. When I was a little girl, said Caroline to the cat, when we lived in our old house a long, long time ago, my dad took me for a walk on the wasteland between our house and the shops. It wasn't the best place to go for a walk, really. There were all these things that people had thrown away back there, old cookers and broken dishes and dolls with no arms and no legs and empty cans and broken bottles. Mom and Dad made me promise not to go exploring back there because there were too many sharp things and tetanus and such. But I kept telling them that I wanted to explore it. 
So one day, my dad put on his big brown boots and his gloves and put my boots on me and my jeans and sweater, and we went for a walk. We must have walked for about 20 minutes. We went down this hill to the bottom of a gully where a stream was, when my dad suddenly said to me, Coraline, run away, up the hill, now. He said it in a tight sort of way, urgently, so I did. I ran away up the hill. Something hurt me on the back of my arm as I ran, but I kept running. As I got to the top of the hill, I heard somebody thundering up the hill behind me. It was my dad, charging like a rhino. When he reached me, he picked me up in his arms and swept me over the edge of the hill. And then we stopped and we puffed and we panted, and we looked back down the gully. The air was alive with yellow wasps. We must have stepped on wasp nests in a rotten branch as we walked. And while I was running up the hill, my dad stayed and got stung to give me time to run away. His glasses had fallen off when he ran. I only had the one sting on the back of my arm. He had 39 stings all over him. We counted later in the bath. The black cat began to wash its face and whiskers in a manner that indicated increasing impatience. Coraline reached down and stroked the back of its head and neck. The cat stood up, walked several paces until it was out of her reach. Then it sat down and looked up at her again. So said Caroline. Later that afternoon, my dad went back again to the wasteland to get his glasses back. He said if he left it another day, he wouldn't be able to remember where they'd fallen. And soon he got home wearing his glasses. He said that he wasn't scared when he was standing there and the wasp was stinging him and hurting him and he was watching me run away because he knew he had to give me enough time to run or the wasp would have come after both of us. Caroline turned the key in the door. It turned with a loud clunk. The door swung open. There was no brick wall on the other side of the door, only darkness. A cold wind blew through the passageway. Coraline made no move to walk through the door. And he said that wasn't brave of him doing that, just standing there and being stung, said Coraline to the cat. It wasn't brave because he wasn't scared. It was the only thing he could do. But going back again to get his glasses, when he knew the wasps were there, when he was really scared, that was brave. She took her first step down the dark corridor. She could smell dust and damp and mustiness. The cat padded along beside her. And why was that? Asked the cat, although it sounded barely interested. Because, she said, when you're scared but you still do it anyway, that's brave. The candle cast huge, strange, flickering shadows along the wall. She heard something moving in the darkness, beside her, or to one side of her, she could not tell. It seemed as if it was keeping pace with her, whatever it was. And that's why you're going back to her world, then, said the cat. Because your father once saved you from wasps. Don't be silly, said Caroline. I'm going back for them because they're my parents. And if they noticed I was gone, I'm sure they would do the same for me. You know you're talking again. How fortunate I am, said the cat. In having a travelling companion of such wisdom and intelligence. Its tone remained sarcastic, but its fur was bristling and its brush of a tail stuck up in the air. Coraline was going to say something like, sorry, or wasn't it a lot shorter walk last time? When the candle went out as suddenly as if it had been snuffed by someone's hand. There was a scrabbling and a pattering, and Coraline could feel her heart pounding against her ribs. She put out one hand and felt something wispy, like a spider's web, brush her hands and her face. At the end of the corridor, the electric light went on, blinding after the darkness. A woman stood silhouetted by the light, a little ahead of Coraline. Coraline, darling, she called. Mum, said Coraline, and she ran forward, eager and relieved. Darling, said the woman. Why did you ever run away from me? Coraline was too close to stop, 
and she felt the other mother's cold arms enfold her. She stood there, rigid and trembling, as the other mother held her tightly. Where are my parents? Caroline asked. We're here, said her other mother, in a voice so close to her real mother's that Caroline could scarcely tell them apart. We're here. We're ready to love you and play with you and feed you and make your life interesting. Caroline pulled back, and the other mother let her go, with reluctance. The other father, who had been sitting on a chair in the hallway, stood up and smiled. Come on into the kitchen, he said. I'll make us a midnight snack, and you'll want something to drink, hot chocolate, perhaps? Caroline walked down the hallway until she reached the mirror at the end. There was nothing reflected in it but a young girl in her dressing gown and slippers, who looked like she had recently been crying, but whose eyes were real tears, not black buttons, and who was holding tightly to a burned-out candle in a candlestick. She looked at the girl in the mirror, and the girl in the mirror looked back at her. I will be brave, thought Coraline. No, I am brave. She put down the candlestick on the floor, then she turned round. The other mother and the other father were looking at her hungrily. I don't need a snack, she said. I have an apple, see? And she took an apple from her dressing gown pocket, then bit into it with relish and an enthusiasm that she did not really feel. The other father looked disappointed. The other mother smiled, showing a full set of teeth, and each of the teeth was a tiny bit too long. The lights in the hallway made her black button eyes glitter and gleam. You don't frighten me, said Caroline, although they did frighten her very much. I want my parents back. The world seemed to shimmer a little at the edges. Whatever would I have done with your old parents? If they have left you, Coraline, it must be because they became bored of you, or tired. Now I will never become bored of you, and I will never abandon you. You will always be safe here with me. The other mother's wet-looking black hair drifted around her head, like the tentacles of a creature in the deep ocean. They weren't bored of me, said Coraline. You're lying. You stole them. Silly, silly Coraline. They're fine wherever they are. Coraline simply glared at the other mother. I'll prove it, said the other mother, and brushed the surface of the mirror with her long white fingers. It clouded over as if a dragon had breathed on it, and then it cleared. In the mirror, it was daytime already. Coraline was looking at the hallway, all the way down to her front door. The door opened from the outside, and Coraline's mother and father walked inside. They carried suitcases. That was a fine holiday, said Coraline's father. How nice it is not to have Coraline anymore, said her mother with a happy smile. Now we can do all of the things we always wanted to do, like go abroad, but we're prevented from doing by having a little daughter. And, said her father, I take great comfort in knowing that her other mother will take better care of her than we ever could. The mirror fogged and faded and reflected the night once more. See? Said her other mother. No. Said Coraline. I don't see, and I don't believe it either. She hoped that what she had just seen was not real, but she was not as certain as she sounded. There was a tiny doubt inside her, like a maggot in an apple core. Then she looked up and saw the expression on her other mother's face, a flash of real anger, which crossed her face like summer lightning. And Coraline was sure in her heart, that what she had seen in the mirror was no more than an illusion. Coraline sat down on the sofa and ate her apple. Please, said her other mother. Don't be difficult. She walked into the drawing room and clapped her hands twice. There was a rustling noise and a black rat appeared. It stared up at her. Bring me the key. The rat chittered. Then it ran through the open door that led back to Coraline's own flat. 
The rat returned, dragging the key behind it. Why don't you have your own key on this side? Asked Coraline. There is only one key and only one door, said the other father. Hush, said the other mother. You must not bother our darling Coraline's head with such trivialities. She put the key in the keyhole and twisted. The lock was stiff, but it clunked closed. She dropped the key into her apron pocket. Outside, the sky had begun to lighten to a luminous grey. If we aren't going to have a midnight snack, said the other mother, we still need our beauty sleep. I'm going back to bed, Coraline. I would strongly suggest that you do the same. She placed her long white fingers on the shoulders of the other father, and she walked him out of the room. Coraline walked over to the door at the far corner of the drawing room. She tugged on it, but it was tightly locked. The door of her other parents' bedroom was now closed. She was indeed tired, but she did not want to sleep in the bedroom. She did not want to sleep under the same roof as her other mother. The front door was not locked. Coraline walked out into the dawn and down the stone steps. She sat down on the bottom step. It was cold. Something furry pushed itself against her side in one smooth, insinuating motion. Coraline jumped, then breathed a sigh of relief when she saw what it was. Oh, it's you, she said to the black cat. See? said the cat. It wasn't so hard recognizing me, was it? Even without names. Well, what if I wanted to call you? The cat wrinkled its nose and managed to look unimpressed. Calling cats, it confided, tends to be a rather overrated activity. Might as well call a whirlwind. What if it was dinner time? asked Caroline. Wouldn't you want to be called then? Of course, said the cat. But a simple cry of dinner would do nicely. See, no need for names. Why does she want me? Caroline asked the cat. Why does she want me to stay here with her? She wants something to love, I think, said the cat. Something that isn't her. She might want something to eat as well. It's hard to tell with creatures like that. Do you have any advice? asked Caroline. The cat looked as if it were about to say something else sarcastic. Then it flicked its whiskers and said, Challenge her. There's no guarantee she'll play fair, but her kind of thing loves games and challenges. What kind of thing is that? asked Caroline. But the cat made no answer, simply stretched luxuriantly and walked away. Then it stopped and turned and said, I'd go inside if I were you. Get some sleep. You have a long day ahead of you. And then the cat was gone. Still, Caroline realized it had a point. She crept back into the silent house, past the closed bedroom door beyond which the other mother and the other father. What? she wondered. Slept? Waited? And then it came to her that, should she open the bedroom door, she would find it empty. Or more precisely, that it was an empty room, and it would remain empty until the exact moment that she opened the door. Somehow that made it easier. Caroline walked into the green and pink parody of her own bedroom. She closed the door and hauled the toy box in front of it. It would not keep anyone out, but the noise somebody would make trying to dislodge it would wake her, she hoped. The toys in the toy box were still mostly asleep and they stirred and muttered as she moved their box, and then they went back to sleep. Coraline checked under her bed, looking for rats, but there was nothing there. She took off her dressing gown and slippers, and climbed into bed and fell asleep, with barely enough time to reflect, as she did so, on what the cat could have meant by a challenge. What are we doing now? What's going on? Um, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about chapter five. So take, right, yeah. take it away. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
So there's a lot going on in chapter five. Hey, do you know the quote? Um, take it away, Ernie. Take it away. It's going to be a take bumpy it ride. Yes. What's that from? Harry Potter. What do you mean? Oh, uh, yes, it is. It is. It is. The, uh, yes, it the is. night bus. Yep. Okay. I thought it was like so, yeah. The third anyway. movie. Take it away, Ernie. I don't like that thing. I don't know why they put it in that talking head. The talking head? Yeah, I don't... It's so random. Yeah, it's uh, it's not in the book, but it's also, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Like, normally, obviously, you know me, I don't like things that aren't in the book. Mm. That always makes me mad when they, it's like, you take away stuff that is in the book that is good, and you put in stuff that isn't in the book that isn't good. Mm. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. But that, I feel like it just added a little, little flavor. Really? I'm unconvinced. Yeah, I, and I also feel like if they didn't make it they like they had to spice it up because it's just like a bus ride almost. I mean, obviously it's kind of a crazy bus ride, but like, I don't know. Hmm. It's alright. We can we can agree to disagree. It was good. It was good stuff. Okay. You know what I didn't like though was the mm. singing heads later on that movie. I tin hogs me, but where is it? Three broomsticks or is it the hog's head? But uh, Harry like sneaks in and there's like heads or something, and they're like, "Shut the damn door!" Oh, they're portraits, aren't they? No, I, I believe it's like little like heads. I don't know. Did you just poke my head? Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway. Right. <laughs> Coraline, chapter five. <laughs> so she sees them in the mirror. And this this was a weird thing for me because obviously it's super creepy when she sees uh, Coraline. You know, her parents are missing and all that. I don't I guess we don't have to recap the episode because we just read it. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> She sees her parents in the mirror in her real house, and they fog it up and they say, help us. Oh my gosh, there's a reading group guide with discussion questions in mine. That sounds helpful. Um, Also, in that scene, you have the fog again. The fog is a repeated motif. Where where is the fog? Uh, The father breathes. Uh, Sorry, it's the mother. The mother breathes and the fog fades and then... Okay, see, but now you're just bringing things together. It's not real fog. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, but it's not real fog. <laughs> if it was, like, foggy outside or something, sure. But it's just, you know, it's the it's the, the mist. The, uh, it's another layer. It's another layer. It's just of another meaning. layer. It's all about the fog. I think so. I think there's a, a hidden meaning behind the fog, like something about World War II, maybe. Um. <laughs> I think your brain is just a bit foggy and oh. you can't see. <laughs> the other mother tells Coraline, we're ready to love you and play with you and feed you and make your life more interesting. How is Coraline's life with her other family different from life with her real family? What does Coraline find appealing about life in the other world? What family would you choose? Why? This little discussion, this little sampler of the discussion question. Honestly, if it weren't for the button eyes, that other world would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're like all about her. I mean, that's the thing. That's literally the the difference. The only difference is that everybody's paying attention to her and and her needs and stuff like that. Whereas in the other world, they're not. Sort of. It does become though scary. Yeah. I suppose because it's almost like what the other extreme in the real world. They're literally hardly paying attention to her at all, and in this world, they're paying a bit too much attention. I like my space. (laughs) At first, it's fine. At first, they aren't like super monitory. They let her do her own thing. Mm. 
you know like that's how they pitched it to her wasn't it you can do whatever you want they did although they kind of they did lie to her about her real parents mm. the other mother says that um she shows her that they've gone on a holiday or come back from a holiday and they're like oh we don't care about Caroline we don't need her anymore I'm confused here on this discussion question it says Coraline's other mother tells her that if she wants to stay in the other world there is one thing she must do what is it is it the button eyes yes you have to stitch your eyes does she say that in this chapter uh no it's in chapter four just at the end oh that's why i never read chapter four so the other father says if you want to stay there's one little thing we'll have to do so you can stay here forever and always on a china plate on the kitchen table were a spool of black cotton and a long silver needle and beside them two large black buttons Caroline says i don't think so <laughs> does she actually say that i don't think so yeah i don't think so <laughs> And the other mother says, oh, but we want you to. We want you to stay, and it's just a little thing. It won't hurt, said her other father. Father, father. 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 Her other father. Feather. So, yeah, what's that about? What do you think the black button eyes are about? Well, I think... And don't just say at, don't just say they're just to be creepy. No. I want a real hidden meaning here. definitely to be creepy. (laughs) And also, the... Well, I don't know, like, the purpose of them, if they have any deeper hidden meaning about World War II in life. But it's definitely something that, like, once she does it, you know, she's tied to that world. She probably can't leave once she does it. So they're saying, like, yeah, you can go back, but you have to do this first. But she probably, like, it's one of those things, like, you know what? I wonder if that's where he got it from. Like, the uh, the Hades and um, the rule, and if you go to Hades and if you eat any of the food, you can't leave. You're stuck there forever. Right. So you, the food if is you, like really good, but if you ever eat any of it, you're stuck in hell. Like the road back home just closes. Just to you, disappears forever. Yeah, I think that's probably right. it. Maybe it's like that similar. I wonder if uh, there's anything like that in Norse mythology as well, because we know how he is with his Norse mythology. So mm. if there's like a similar type of theme anywhere, I could see him pulling from that. In this other world, it sort of seems, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but the other father is like almost a slave to the other mother. Like the other mother is the villain of the story over everyone. So who is the other father? He's a puppet, if I can recall correctly. I think they all are puppets. The only um, other thing, I think they're all like things that she created and like makes them do stuff. So are they extensions of her? I believe so, yeah. But if I remember correctly, I feel like the other father had like a little bit of free will and was able to like give her a hint. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that's just like, this is all stuff I remember from the movie. Mm. And it's been a while since I saw the movie too. We could do a movie episode. We could watch the movie. Yeah, commentate. Or we could keep going. I mean, it's kind of up to our vast audience. You know, what do the people want? Do they want us to keep going and just kind of skip around in the book? Should we do all the good chapters? Should we do all of the chapters? Probably can't do all the chapters. Copyrights. True. But yeah, I mean... I mean, we could discuss all the chapters. We'll see. Should we move on to a different book? What book should it be? Harry Potter? The Lord of the Rings? We'll do a poll. All right. Yeah, we'll do a poll with our vast audience. Um, Yes. It'll be like one vote, which is me. (laughs) The other vote. As of now, we have no audience at all because we haven't posted any of these. So that's right. <laughs> I don't think the poll is going to be in time. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it we'll out ourselves. Yeah. 
Anyway, back into it. Um, here's another question. Mm. What does the other mother want? Why does the other mother want Coraline? And what does the cat think about it? Uh, the cat says she wants something to love, I think. Something that isn't her. She might want something to eat as well. It's hard to tell with creatures like that. Mm. Maybe he's he's making a... <laughs> now I'm scared to say it, to interpret anything because you're going to be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's... Oh, sure, and, and World War II. Here, and, here uh... we have actual interpretation going on. There's definitely okay. something meaningful here, I think. Do you think that it's any comment on, like, the crossover between loving and devouring? I think, yeah, I, um, no. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I, so I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sure, like, how we love food. No, no, it, I think it is fair to say that the, there, maybe this is, like, a twisted kind of love. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you could, it calls into an obsession, question what is like an that. obsession. It's an obsession. Yeah. It's about like control of like, she wants, oh, yeah, yeah. um, she wants Coraline. It's interesting that Coraline still has a choice to, at this point, they say, we want you to put the button eyes on. She says, no, she has like a choice Maybe in the matter. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things where like the, you have to ask for permission, like the vampire thing. You have to ask permission to enter the dwelling type of thing. Mm. Yeah. Ask. Maybe they have to. I, maybe they can't just force it on her because she's like a giant spider type of creature, if I recall correctly. And if she wanted Coraline to have button eyes, she could like right at the beginning, right when she crawled through the thing, just like trap her up and put some button eyes on her. Mm. Coraline's a kid. There's no way that she could fight off a giant spider, you know. So it has to be a. Vol There's an element of it being a voluntary thing, and then the other mother has full control. Uh, that's interesting. You know what? Maybe the that's the deeper meaning of the button eyes. They become her pep puppets when they be put the button eyes on. So maybe those other people are were actually other people who had their button eyes sewed on, and she just can control them, and she probably changed their appearance mm. somehow, st stitched on a new appearance because they're basically like her dolls now, you know? Yeah. So there were other people who fell into her web. And they just are what playing about role. Sorry, I'm cutting you off because of the lag. <laughs> well, because of the lag. It's because of okay. the lag. What about those kids? Like, because they don't. Do they have button eyes? I forget. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they, no, they. They don't. I don't think they do. Is that that's not in this chapter though? Is it? No, no, it's not. Um, but no. maybe they have a picture of the kids. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, it's super creepy. They just have like no eyes. Right. These are the kids who probably refused the um, the button eyes. So she just popped them in a painting or whatever. She left us here. She stole our hearts and she stole our souls and she took our lives away and she left us here and she forgot about us in the dark. We're skipping ahead now. But basically, she stole their hearts and their souls, and then she just like put them aside. She didn't need them to have buttons because she didn't want to play with them. They weren't toys to her. They were probably food. You think she ate them? No, I'm just guessing. Oh, I'm getting chills. This is creepy. Yeah, they're like they're like ghosts because it says that the pale figures pulsed faintly. She could imagine that they were nothing more than after images, like the glow left by a bright light in your eyes after the lights go out. That's such a good sentence. Where? Spencer. There we go. I found it. Listen to this, okay? Okay. And okay. eat your words. 
She will take... This is... Fog. Listen, she will take your life and all you are and all you care for, and she will leave you with nothing but mist and fog. So if you don't think fog has meaning, there you go. I think it's just a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) He's too smart for that. Yeah. Okay, fine. I will agree that there is something... Fog has some meaning, and that's all you get. Thank you very much. That's all I wanted. Uh, A small concession. Can we play a game? Yeah, let's play a game. Would you like to play a game? I am going to say a line, and you have to guess who said it. But I'm not going to... I'm going to put on a different voice to the character voice. All right. Um, Neil Gaiman. (laughs) Continue. Okay. When I see her, I shall tell her that. When I see her, I shall tell her that. Oh, Coraline said that to yeah. Mrs. Spink. She said it to the policeman. To the policeman. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was one of those conversations. Give me one. All right. I got to find one that's, like, not obvious. Okay. Then I suppose there is only one thing left to do. That's Coraline. Damn it. trying to throw me off with the deep throaty voice (laughs) the rest of them are all pretty obvious so like the other father says there's only one key only one door um when she when the mom is asking for the key so like first of all i don't think she meant for him to say that so that is one of those moments where the other father has kind of like free will so I think it is kind of like I said, like he was his own person. She dressed him up to look like her other father. Mm. And she she has control over him because of the eyes. But then she says, if we aren't going to have a midnight snack, well, we'll still need our beauty sleep. I'm going back to bed. Coraline, I would strongly suggest you do the same. So what kind of snack is she talking about? Is she is she's like, if I'm not going to eat you, or is she talking about actual food? Mm, good point. And then I also thought it was strange that like she sleeps a lot, like, I mean, I guess it makes sense because you have to have, like, Coraline doing her own thing and um, and you can't really do that if the other mother is watching her 24-7. Mm. But I don't know. I just thought it was strange that she sleeps a lot. Does she sleep a lot? Well, I, it seems like it to me because think about it. So, like, you're a spider, right? Something goes into your web. Are you just going to, like, chill and, like, just go to sleep and, like, not? <laughs> like, clearly she wants something from Coraline either to eat her or to get her to do the buttons and yet she's just mm. like chilling she's letting Coraline just go about on her own I mean it could be part of her plan but I think she wants to give her a false sense of security though she's mm. like you know go to your room like relax here yeah, like yeah, yeah. this uh, like she wants Coraline to feel like this is a home or could be a home so that she then makes the decision to have the eyes because ultimately she wants her to view this world as the superior one that will be um, kinder to her or it's more, you know, what she wants. Yeah, I think uh, I thought it was a literary excuse. <laughs> Just a reason to keep the other mother away. Could be. So there's the challenge. Should we talk about the main thing? Okay, so so Coraline um, basically goes home. Her parents aren't there. So then she, like, preps for an adventure, right? She grabs, like, candles and whatever and all that stuff. And then she goes to the door and she starts telling the cat this story about when her dad uh, was stung by the hornets and he stayed there to make sure that they wouldn't come after her, that they would go after him instead. So he stayed there while she ran away. And then he came back later to find his glasses. Um, and he said, like, that's what bravery is, you know, like when you're scared, 
but you do the thing anyway. Mm. Like, that's being brave. That's the definition of bravery. And so, like, that's kind of a, a cool little story because I believe it happened in real life with Neil and his kids, and I, or one or two of them, I don't know. And I think that was um, the motivation behind the theme of the book. So, like, all of his books have ideas that they're kind of not based on but that they are about mm. um and they they evolve he doesn't even know when he starts a book that he's not it's not like he sits down and writes it like i'm gonna write a book about being brave it's like he probably sat down to write a scary story for his daughter but then eventually the idea um behind the book developed itself um it developed by itself and that was probably was the um the moment where he thought like oh this is what i want to write about you know he had that little thing with the hornets and he was like, this is what I want to talk about, is what being brave really is. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool that he actually put that whole story in there. Yeah. And it's interesting they say that authors have particular themes that they tend to explore in all of their works to some degree. Like these sort of uh, questions that like seep through or thoughts that seep through into their stories. And I feel like bravery is definitely one of his, if you think about like Neverwhere or even um, the ocean at the end of the lane, it's kind of like being brave as a child or as someone who is out of their comfort zone, like that tends to really come through in his work, I feel. Hmm. Yeah. Also creepy women. Creepy women. <laughs> I guess he just has some strange and disturbing characters altogether, not just women. I guess I'm just thinking because the other mother is, you know, definitely the one in control of this of this, book, <laughs> this story. Yeah. And then in Ocean at the End of the Lane, it's definitely that female kind of presence that I haven't read dominates that. that. Oh, you got to. It's very good. Yeah, I think he just likes to write creepy characters. I mean, he likes that whole punk dark, you know, he wears all black. Yeah. He's into that kind of thing. You know, in um, Neverwhere with, oh, I forget their names. Mr. Was it Croup? Croup Mr. And Croup and Mr. Vandermeer. Yeah, they're super freaky yeah. in their own way. I love how they're done. I mean, even uh, you haven't read Anansi Boys, right? No. So <laughs> I love how we've both like read books that uh, his books <laughs> that each other haven't read. So to combine, we're like we combine yeah. Neil's entire collection. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so I w I noticed that like even the boss, who kind of is a main character, not a main character, but an important character. That boss had a really weird personality. He wasn't forgettable. And I don't think that was because he was intended to be the bad guy. At the beginning of Neverwhere, that lady who he gives uh, his umbrella to, who like kind of tells him that it starts with doors or whatever, mm. when he's outside the bar at the very beginning of Neverwhere, she's not an important character, but she kind of had a personality too. Like She was very real. A lot of books, they have the side characters are just very like, flat they're flat you know it's the, it's the barman at the table who's like you know cleaning the thing and then they're like have you seen this person he's like oh yeah i seen that guy he came around here three weeks ago and like <laughs> they always know exactly who the guy the people are talking about and like uh that guy was weird he was you know like <laughs> it's yeah. just a flat <laughs> character it's like it's, they're like a plot device and right. nothing more it's like a yeah. sort of interesting way of talking but it doesn't mean it doesn't have a deeper personality whereas neil gaiman's side characters a lot of them do have that deeper they're like real people that's true yeah there's a lot of depth to every component in his stories and mm -hmm. like 
I, he, I mean, he talks about that in his masterclass and <laughs> the amount of times we've said that. Um, <laughs> We're just a walking advertisement for his masterclass. And you can sign up for 10% if you use our link the in, in the bio. <laughs> We don't have a bio. We should honestly get, we should become affiliates. That's what we're going to do. Check out we our should. bio on Instagram. And we're, uh, this is the moment we have decided to do it. So check out our moment. We'll do it later. But we've decided <laughs> to do it. So it's happening. In our in our bio, there will be a link and it'll be an affiliate link for Neil Gaiman or for Masterclass in general, I guess. I don't know. What was I saying? He talks about something. Oh, so he talks about, um, making specific details uh, very authentic in order to provide the illusion that the world is vast or that the characters have depth. He's talking about world building and how making, you know, one mountain very real kind of provides an illusion of a mountainscape, you know, where and and, and the reader fills in the hazy details, but it's like he gives very, like, quirky and like eccentric kind of unusual details he brings them to the surface so that you think oh like there's there's a lot to this character or like you start thinking why did they say that or like what is their experience that would lead them to feel this way about this thing and um he does it with minimal a uh, dialogue mm-hmm. but very kind of specific things which is clever yeah i don't remember that i'll have to reread it rewatch it yeah rewatch it I'm just so used to saying reread. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to add on to that. This is going back a bit. We're so like all over the place with this. I know. You're gonna have to cut it all into order, Uh, or just leave it like that. I guess just leave it a complete mess. Um, but going back to the 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 story with the hornets, Mm -hmm. it's totally not even Coraline's character. Like, I mean, it's it's almost like you put it in as an afterthought, or maybe not Mm. an afterthought. Once he decided what the book was about. He put that in there. You don't think it sounds like her? It doesn't sound like her. Up until now, the most she's ever said was, no, I don't want that, you know? And then all of a sudden she's like, the airs were alive with wasps. And it was like, she gets all long-winded and you're like, what? And like poetical. And it's like, it just doesn't fit. But it also adds like a lot to the book. And it's like- I guess it makes you pay attention. Like you straighten up and you're like, oh, like she's telling a story What's he talking about? Yeah. The air was alive with the other wasps. We must have stepped on wasps, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's still kind of like uh, like her, but um, I would say like it was just so long. It was like five paragraphs, six paragraphs. And before that, all she had really said was like, I think they were kidnapped, you know? (laughs) I would like some, (laughs) some pizza, some frozen pizza. Yeah, exactly. And then now she's just, like, going on for days with the story. She's a complex little girl. Yeah, apparently. I think, really, he just wanted to really drive home the point of the book while also putting a real story in, which is great. Because if you can relate your writing to things that actually happen to you in personal experiences, that stuff is more real for the reader as well. Mm -hmm. And they can really get a feel for what you're trying to tell them. He He did good, smart things. He did good. He did good stuff. I guess this is the first hint of the challenge. The cat the challenge, leads right. her to that that word. The cat seems to exist beyond the other mother's reach, which is funny because I feel like that's a reflection of cats in real life. They just do their own thing. Well, and... he's not a part of that. He's not a part of that world. I think he says that. Um, he just he just likes to visit, and he she can't catch him because he's a cat, and they're you know. 
tricksty, trick, tricky. Yeah, so he's just your generic Halloween cat. He's the one who talks about the challenge. Challenge her. There's no guarantee she'll play fair, but her kind of thing loves games and challenges. Interesting. I wonder if you like drew um, inspiration for the other mother from any mythologies. I probably. You probably did. Maybe her kind of being is a, like, maybe she's like a kind of Greek gaudy type of creature. All of those, those creatures and stuff love games. Most of them do, I would say. What were you saying? You, didn't you say something before? Start it was probably that. very, very clever. I know. She goes to sleep in the other world, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was one more thing to talk about. That amazing line? That the door, yes. Uh, uh, I remembered that earlier, and I was like, got to talk about this soon, but then we got distracted. Uh, she crept back into the silent house past the closed bedroom door, beyond which the other mother and the other father, what, she wondered, slept, waited, and then it came to her that should she open the bedroom door, she would find it empty, or more precisely, that it was an empty room and it would remain empty until the exact moment that she opened the door. Somehow that made it easier. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to talk about here. Because when I first read it, I thought, like, oh, it's it's cool that he's relating that whole um, deep thought experiment where if a tree falls in a forest um, and nobody hears it, did it even make a sound or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you don't see something, does it exist? If something isn't in front of you, does it even exist? But now that I'm thinking on the line of mythologies and such um the this is a very like greek god type of thing like the greek gods Mm. like they had their own worlds you know like they could create their own little like realities but that's why i think it's like very much like he pulled the other mother kind of out of a, a mythology like she's a mythological creature like who can create her own world and she's literally like painting this world for this girl and controlling everything Maybe that's why she has to sleep so much. It's a lot of work. <laughs> or maybe she's not even... Maybe she has multiple worlds. Maybe she controls multiple dimensions and she's not in this one anymore. Like, Ooh. maybe she slips in and out. Yeah, true. It's like she has... Maybe she has multiple webs. If we're going with the spider theme, she has, like, these webs that she weaves, but she has more than mm. more than one. Or she has one and then she catches her prey and then she moves on to another spins another web if it is a spidery thing then this whole house is her trap right and she's probably mm. controlling the web i think that's kind of a a cool like insight into the other mother character she's capable of creating this whole other world i guess specifically gearing it towards her prey so that's it for this episode um we might do more of the Coraline episodes we're not really sure yet <laughs> we're figuring it out but if you want to connect with us on social media we should be everywhere that there is social media at the right side of the world and yes yeah, stay tuned what, what are you mouthing what, what am i supposed to be saying no nah, i'm just imitating you oh i thought you were like <laughs> giving me the next lines i'm like <laughs> i don't know what the next lines are <laughs> so yeah uh find us we're around See you next time. Bye. I don't know how this ends. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Bye, darling. Thank you for listening. I'll be waiting. That's good stuff. (laughs) See you again next time. I'll have the needle and the cotton. And buttons. And buttons.
This could go on for quite some time. Yeah, could.